de Football Américas. Your boy, Hercules Gomez, as you can see. That's not Sebastian Salazar. Sebi and Julie are in Kansas City with the U.S. Women's National Team. But my boy here, Alex Pareja of ESPN Deportes, Primer Toque, and so much more is here in his place. El jugador de franquicia. Alex, how you doing? I'm fine, thank you. I'm not a Galactico, and I'm not a Ronaldo or Zidane as you're wearing that on the, your T-shirt, but I'll try my best. I'll try my best. I'm ready for having a lot of fun today, Herc. Well, you mentioned the Galacticos, El Clásico underway this weekend. We'll talk about mm -hmm. that. We're also going to talk about the Champions League, but don't forget, catch us right here, Football Americas Podcast, Apple's, uh, what is that, iTunes, Spotify, MySpace, Hi8, you remember those. Uh, don't forget, but first, lots to talk about, but first, somebody wants a World Cup more than every four years. Biennial World Cup, that's what they're calling it, my friend. And they want it every two years instead of every four years. Alex, a lot of reports going on right now. Do you like the idea of having a World Cup? Not every four no. years, every two years? I profoundly dislike it, Herc. It's just only a matter of money for FIFA. They don't care about anything else. They just want to uh, be the bosses of, of uh, world soccer. If they're not <laughs> yet, uh, they want to collect more money, and they don't. They don't care if they destroy the very delicate balance between uh, club soccer and national team soccer, and they don't care if they hurt uh, regional tournaments like uh, the Euros, like the Copa America, like the Gold Cup or a Copa Oro, whatever you may call it. Uh, they just want the money and they want to be above anyone else. I think that that's a very bad idea, uh, and that will kill the, the charm of the World Cup. Uh, the, you wait four years and you need to work super hard in order to qualify for it. It's just uh, turning a imagine a picture across. I'm not saying that you've been there, but I'm not picture a nightclub, a very uh, exclusive VIP nightclub. You have to wait in line for four years. And when you get there, when you get to the door, you need to be handsome and you need to look sharp. Otherwise, you're not going to get in. So Infantino's trying to convert that that nightclub into a deli. Come, come, just no matter what. No, I don't care about your your looks. I don't care about your if you're good or bad. Just come, play, uh, cash in all the TV rights, and and goodbye. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's killing. It's killing the spirit of the World Cup. That's what it is, right? It's about the money. What they want to do is they want to cash in on this cash cow. And there are even reports that they want to do a World Cup where if you play one World Cup in two years. The next World Cup, you can't play in. So it's almost like an NIT version of the NCAA uh, tournament like we see here in basketball. It's a terrible idea. As an ex-professional, as an ex-pro who's played in the World Cup, it almost cheapens it for me, Alex. I, I feel like I, I, I was in the select group that was so lucky to play in a World Cup. Every four mm -hmm. years, only 23 players in a country go and represent their country. It's a select group. I almost feel like it cheapens it. I understand right now maybe the current player thinking, hey, more chance for me to play in a World Cup. But let me ask you a question. What about those fans who say, this is a great opportunity for me to finally see a World Cup? Uh, it, that that won't that one affect uh, true fans because what about the tickets? What about the tickets price? Uh, are they going to be cheaper? No. They're going to be as expensive as always. So you're 
cutting away a lot of fans uh, anyway. No matter if you play uh, World Cup Clausura and World Cup uh, Apertura, you know, <laughs> every six months, uh, you only very affluent people will be able to to uh, be live on the World Cup. So it doesn't make any sense. Infantino's trying to be an opera. Hey, you've got a World Cup. You've got a World Cup. <laughs> Everyone's got a World well, Cup. But it's not the way it should be. Well, it's not. And there are even reports, our good friend uh, Rob Harris of the Associated Press is reporting more than a dozen European nations are considering withdrawing their membership from FIFA to actually leave the global governing body. This feels like the Superliga all over again with this revolt. Yeah, it's, it's ever, everything's related, Herc. Uh, the Super League has just accelerated the moment of change that uh, the world of soccer is, uh, is experiencing. So there's the Super League for uh, one, on one hand, and there's the, the battle between uh, UEFA and FIFA for the Champions League for the rights. Uh, there's a lot of different things going on, but everything is related, and everything... Bottom line is this. It's just a matter of money. Who wants to, uh, who gets control of, of that, the money of, uh, th that is spent on soccer, in TV rides, and tickets, merchandising, everything. So it's just a matter of money, but everything's related. And there's a, a, a battle, a very, it was very subtle at the beginning, but now it has escalated uh, very quickly. There's a huge battle between UEFA and FIFA for that control of the big cake of, of soccer. Yeah, that's what it is. It's a battle between UEFA and what is FIFA. Infantino and what is UEFA right there. And it's all over the dollars. It's all over the francs. It's all over these euros. That's the important thing for Infantino right there. They want to cash in on what the World Cup is. Having experienced it as a player, you don't necessarily get a grasp for how big it is. When I covered it, and you're almost a fan, you understand just the huge moneymaker it is. But I agree with you 100%. You lose that mystique. You lose the charm. You lose the aura that is the World Cup. Uh, speaking about losing something, in case you missed it, Various reports out of the Mexican press that the FMS is exploring the option of not playing their national team games at El Estadio Azteca. Another report says that FIFA set to open a yet another investigation over anti-gay chants, this time versus Canada. So, I'm going to ask you, Alex, let's concentrate on just the game itself. If El Tri is removed from El Estadio Azteca, is this a good thing for El Tri? I think it could be good for L3, actually. I mean, they're pretty strong at home. They just dropped uh, two points in this uh, World Cup cycle against Canada the other day. But I think it could be great for L3 for many reasons. Uh, you must consider the altitude. Uh, Mex uh, Mexico City is a super high city, you know that. And uh, players that come from Europe, like uh, El Chucky Lozano, like Edson Alvarez, they live by the sea. They live literally at the level of the, at the sea level. So that's, that's a handicap for them because they need to adapt. Uh, uh, Second reason, uh, the pitch. The pitch at the Estadio Azteca is not always the best to, to, to play a World Cup qualifier. And then there's another reason, Herc, uh, and, and I talk from, from the experience of, of my, my country where, where I was born. I was born in, in Barcelona, in Spain. And Spain doesn't have uh, 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 just a stadium. They 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 go. It's a, like a like a traveling circus. They can play <laughs> in Madrid. You know, it's true. They can play in Madrid. They can play in Valencia. They can play in Sevilla. And that helps the rest of the the country, the rest of the cities, to be more identified with the national team. It's it's a cohesive decision. Yeah. And we look at the record here. 2006-2010. Uh, they flew by qualifying. But then look at 14, 18, and 22. They 
start dropping points at home. There's a reason for this. As the national team progresses, their players progress, and they play in Europe. Andres Guardado, right now, it is 35, almost 36 years old of, of age. A, a transatlantic flight where it's almost 13, 14 hours to go play in altitude, as you just mentioned, is almost counterproductive for a lot of these European players. It's not an advantage like it used to be. I understand them wanting to make this a fortress, but maybe today with the fan base and the growing frustration with their national team, the disconnect that they have with those players and these anti-gay chants, the best thing for uh, FMF and L3, maybe to take it to Akron in Guadalajara, to Monterrey, uh, in Monterrey Rayado Stadium, which is a very beautiful stadium. Maybe the best thing is to share the wealth with others. So I agree with you. If you can, first of all, eliminate the chant. Eradicate this homophobic, anti-gay anti chant, discriminatory chant. Get it away. And if you have to get away from Mexico City, from the Azteca, you do it. By no means is there a law that you have to play there. So I agree with you. It could be something that's beneficial to them. And... and, and there's going to be there's going to be Herc, uh, root fans anywhere. So the chant not only happens in Ateca, so it can happen anywhere at any stadium. But you need to you need to give the people from the rest of the country. And Mexico is a huge country. You need to give them the chance of, of uh, watching the, the their national team live in a competitive match instead of a, just a friendly a partido molero, as they as they say. Well, speaking of competitive matches, one of the biggest competitive matches this weekend is actually in your home country of España, and we're going to go there right now. El One of the best Clásicos in the world, Alex, but is it the best? To find out, we're going to go to Barcelona with our good friends Dan Tomics and Ale Moreno. Thank you very much, boys. Such is our dedication to Football Americas. We have interrupted our dinner uh -huh. to look ahead to our Clásico. A dinner, by the way, that is... Uh, frequented at the same restaurant by your boy Serginho Dest. That's how posh we are yeah. here in Barcelona. We're bringing it. This is how we roll. Obviously, it is the first time El Clasico has been on ESPN+. Plus. So many talking points going into this game, Ali. The biggest one being that this remains the biggest match in the world. Absolutely. It's the one game in the world that has global appeal. And people pay attention to certain things here, certain things there, but this game Everybody focuses on El Clásico, and there are many reasons to that. There's a historical significance to this match. There's the dislike of Madrid and Barcelona. There's the presence of Barcelona and the political significance of Madrid in terms of the central government and Barcelona, sort of this, this willingness and, and, and this wish to become some sort of independent nation. There, there's there's this, this whole thing about El Clásico that goes beyond just what happens on the field. And when we focus on what happens on the field, then you you have quality everywhere and you've had that over the years it's not very often in fact i can't remember the last time real madrid have gone into our Clasico at the camp now mm. as favorites and rightfully so when you think about what Barcelona is right now as a team, and we're just coming off the heels of that matchup against uh, Dinamo Kiev here in Barcelona in Champions League, and you think, you know, this could have been an opportunity for Barcelona to really generate some confidence going into El Clásico, 
and yet it wasn't. Mm. You saw every reason as to why maybe fans here are not really all that excited about Barcelona, and yet El Clásico just kind of gives you an opportunity to turn all of that around. As for Real Madrid, they were dominant against Shakhtar. You saw a performance from Vinicius Jr., you saw Karim Benzema, you saw what they can do in the attacking half. What we do know from both of these teams is that defensively they have issues. So we expect this to be open and for there to be goals. What's your prediction? Oh, I must say Real Madrid comes in comes in here into Barcelona and gets a result. I think my, uh, Real Madrid wins it 2-1 and Benzema as the start of the match. Ali Moreno, thank you very much. Just a reminder, we'll be here on ESPN FC right through the week as we continue our countdown to kick off. And then on Sunday, we have comprehensive coverage of El Clasico, which starts 9 a.m. Eastern on ESPN2. Thanks, Dan. I see the sangria is flowing nicely. So I ask you, Alex, uh, is this still, or I should say, is this the best game in the world? Is it the best Clásico in the world? Shock me. I would say, I would say, Herc, uh, that I still, in terms of intensity and, and passion, I would say that the Boca Junior River Plate is uh, not higher than, than El Clásico. But when it comes to soccer, when it comes to all the political connotations, that Ale painted a very, very, very precise picture of, of what this game means, especially for, for Barcelona fans. Uh, Barcelona is the unofficial army of, of Catalonia, and, and, and it's a kind of a civilized and political clash between Catalonia and Madrid, and, and represented by Barcelona and Real Madrid. There's a lot of uh, respect, but also hatred between these two giants. Uh, there's always uh, a bunch of top, top 10 players in the world uh, playing there. Uh, it's always a different, a different game. So Barcelona is more than a club, and El Clásico is more than a game. Yeah, shocker, shocker. The guy from Barcelona chooses El Clásico between Barcelona and Real Madrid as the best Clásico in the world. Listen, it's hard, to that, dis- eh? it's hard to disagree <laughs> with you guys. If you look at passion, sure, Boca Juniors versus River Plate, very passionate. The old firm derby, Celtic versus Rangers, very passionate. If you're talking about history, you know, uh, 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 Manchester United versus Liverpool, all these different, Del Clásico, you know, uh, Dortmund versus Bayern Munich. There's lots of different games that we can put out here, but when you put the total package together, which is history, which is polemical figures, which is historic figures, dioses in these games, soccer gods, this game has it all. How can it not be? I mean, it has to be El Clásico Real Madrid versus uh, Barcelona. And, and uh, this Clásico already gave us one of, one of the most memorable moments, a few memorable moments in the history of, of soccer. You've got the 5-0 that Barcelona... Oh, la manita. Uh, the, 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 the 5-0 with, with Guardiola to Mourinho, the 5-0 with Johan Cruyff to uh, Real Madrid. That 5-0, that same, uh, the same score that Real Madrid replicated at the Santiago Bernabeu in 1995. You've got the 2-6 uh, in, in 2009. Exactly, Zamorano and Amavisca, Michael Laudro playing with Real Madrid. You have a lot of stories from players that played for both teams and and Luis Enrique, Zamorano, um, uh, Bernd Schuster, sorry, Zamorano didn't play for for Barcelona. You have a lot of different players that that crossed that that, that river. So it's, it's, to me, you know, I'm a European guy. I was born in Barcelona. This was the most important day of the year there. Okay. We put this to bed. The best Clásico in the world, Barcelona, Real Madrid. Now, how about we choose the best player from our region, CONCACAF, to play in said game? 
regreso para Hugo Sánchez, excelente palomita. Ese balón se ha introducido en la portería. Gol de Rafa Márquez. Okay, it's very easy. The best player, CONCACAF player, to wear one of these jerseys. The choices are simple. You have three. You have Hugo Sanchez, Rafa Marquez, Keylor Navas. So, Alex, who is the best to CONCACAF me, player to wear one of these jerseys? To me, it's a no-brainer. Hugo Sanchez. <laughs> Hugo Sanchez. No one. I, I put him, Herc, I know that you disagree with this, but, but I put him at the same category as... Luis Figo, Cristiano Ronaldo, Ronaldo the Brazilian, and, and I'm and I'm speaking of on, of two different terms, in terms of how badly the the, the Barcelona fans and people at the camp know hated him, but also how how badly they feared him. Hugo Sanchez was an amazing striker yeah. in the 1989-1990 season. He scored 38 goals. Yep. And all of those goals were first touch goals. That's, that's right. That's amazing. That's a, he said exactly, rematador. He set a record that no one can can uh, break. So it, and, and it's impossible because yeah. you cannot score 38 goals in in a row in the same season with just one touch. It's he was amazing. He was a top class striker. I respect a lot Rafa Marquez. He was an amazing, very elegant center midfielder or center back. Keylor Navas, I love him a lot. I love him since he uh, was playing for Albacete in the Spanish second division. I was still oh. living and working there. And I remember a game uh, against uh, Albacete versus Gymnastic de Tarragona. That I, it was a team that I was covering for the Catalan uh, TV for TV3. And I said to my, to my co-worker, dude, this guy's a superstar. Keylor Navas should be playing <laughs> at a higher level. And a few years later... There you go. But no, no offense to Keylor, no offense to Rafa Marquez, but to me, Hugo Sánchez is in another level. Okay, caveat. This isn't just what happens in La Liga, also their national careers, because we're talking about the best CONCACAF player. And that's where Hugo Sánchez, to me, falters. And listen, also, by the way, uh, La Liga, in the time that Hugo Sánchez played, they never won anything in terms of a Champions League. There was no Champions League in that, in that uh, time, in that span. Only one team advanced, if I'm not mistaken, per league into what it is this Copa competition. Copa de Europa. Copa de Europa. Copa de Europa. Never won it. Actually, it wasn't until 92. Ronald Koeman's Barcelona until La Liga finally uh, made its mark there. So, uh, that... He He has that knock right there, that international, if you will, title right there. And also, if we're going to talk about the national team, 29 goals for the national team, played a little over 50-something games, three World Cups, only one goal. He didn't quite do it for the national team. He wasn't the player But, you thought he'd be for the national team. Almost over four, almost 400 goals, excuse me. Uh, I, and national team didn't make his mark. So this is why I am going to go with somebody who made their mark on both. Rafa Marquez made his mark on both. Not only club football, 22 
years as a professional. 22 years as a professional. Look at everything he won. You're talking about a guy who won absolutely everything. I'm talking about two UCLs, two Champions League, four La Ligas, Club World Cup. That he played in that mythical Barcelona team with Pep Guardiola in that brand of football that is so highly sought after, one of the best teams that's ever played the game. And that's club, okay? Now let's but talk about the national team. The national team. Penta, you want to talk about Hugo Sanchez and Penta Pichichi? This is Penta Mundial, a Penta World Cup player who scored in three different World Cups. Alex, he's the total package. But uh, listen, sometimes a player uh, is cannot, a player by, by himself, and, and I'm talking about Hugo Sanchez, cannot win trophies, cannot win tournaments. And, and that's what happened. Maybe Mex the Mexican national team wasn't as good as it, as it is now or as it used to be with Rafa Marquez. I agree with you. Rafa had a super long career. He was a gentleman on and off the pitch. Kaylor is an amazing goalkeeper. Three Champions League in a row. But I, I go back to my point, Hercules. When Hugo Sánchez used to play, uh, even the Copa de Europa, the Champions League, it was a knockout uh, tournament. So you miss you miss one play, one yeah. game, and you're done. So yeah. that that limited a lot of the, the international projection of, of the players. But yeah, and overall, I think that's, that's you, you cannot. Yeah, I think you're that's the knock with the Kaler five, as well. Five-time goal scorer, right. Pichichi, in La Liga, if you're a bad player. And that's the knock with Kaler here. I mean, Kaler is an unbelievable generational talent within CONCACAF. And this is a player who's won three Champions League. He's been a, a, one of the most underrated players in, in all of world football during his generation. And one of the most disrespected players. He's by far the best goalkeeper to ever play in CONCACAF. But when you're in this podio, this podium with two juggernauts like Rafa Marquez and Hugo Sanchez, you missed just out. But an unbelievable talent in Kaylor Ramos. And, and he's super humble. Um He's still playing at, at the top level for, for Paris Saint-Germain, despite that, that uh, clash he has with, with Donnarumma for, for the starting uh, spot. But he's a great player. We're talking about three superstars. But yeah. if you, you asked me to choose one, and my pick is Hugo Sanchez. Well, guess what? If you want to see more superstars, this weekend, Sunday, 10.15 a.m. Eastern Time on ESPN+. Plus. It's La Liga's El Clásico, Barcelona, Serginho Dest versus... Karim Benzema in Real Madrid. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. All right, moving on. Look at this. Serginho Dest. All right, Champions League. Another game for Barcelona. Another start for Serginho Dest as a right winger. Versus Danny McKeith. He operated there again. Listen. He was okay, he was good. I thought he was one of the better Barcelona players. Uh, but I need to ask you the obvious question here, Alex. It's why exactly is Serginho Dest playing as a winger for Ronald Koeman in Barcelona? You know that uh, Ronald Koeman loves the 5-3-2 system, but Joel Laporta, Barcelona's chairman, hates playing with three centre-backs. So, Serginho Dest is the key for Ronald Koeman to use two different systems in the same game. 
when you are on the ball, when Barcelona have the ball, they play a 4-3-3, as Juan Laporta likes likes to, to watch. And this is Serginho Dest. Uh, he plays super wide, uh, glued to the to the sideline on the right. You can play Ansu Fati on the left, and you can play Memphis Depay as a striker. It's a 4-3-3. But when Barcelona don't have the ball, Serginho Dest has the ability to track back and to become the fifth defender. So Barcelona's shape mutates into a four th- from a 4-3-3 formation when they have the ball to a five on the back with Serginho Dest helping out uh, Sergio Roberto or Oscar Mingueza, who become, who's the right back and then becomes the right center back in a back line of five. So that's that's the, 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 his quality. And he also uh, is a good is a good winger because he's not shy. He, he takes on players. He tries to dribble. He can send good crosses. So he's a very, very useful tool for Ronald Koeman for having that alibi in front of uh, Joel Laporte. Porter's like, hey, we're playing a 4-3-3, but he loves to defend with five on the back. Yeah, what's something he couldn't do uh, when Messi was around. Messi was around, it's that right wing, and you're not going to worry about what Messi does defensively. You let him operate, but no Messi now. It's Serginho Dest, and I'm trying to think of attacking options. It's literally Serginho Dest. Uh, Dembele with this uh, oft-injured profile, it's very difficult for anybody else to to really uh, give him a battle. So maybe it's going to be more Serginho Dest uh, to come in the future. The question is, now we're starting to see questions linger around the national team and on this side of the pond there are lots of pundits and I'm one of them who feels he seems to struggle defensively that's the perception of Sergio Dest Uh, you're very in tune with what's going on in La Liga what's going on in Spain Uh, what are you hearing about the perception of Sergio Dest in La Liga Barcelona fans see him as a as a good as a decent uh, right back and they think he's better, way better than Nelson Semedo, the Portuguese player that now is, the, is at Wolverhampton. They, they consider him better than Sergi Roberto or Oscar Mingueza, who are the ones that can play on that position as well. But the problem for Serginho Dest is that the, the, uh, the bar at the Camp Nou is so high uh, just because a guy named Dani Alves. Uh, people, people still remember Dani Alves. And, and Serginho Dest, you're right. Some people at the Camp Nou uh, raise an eyebrow every time that Serginho Dest struggles defensively because he needs to improve in that aspect of the game. And he also needs to be more consistent. Uh, he has one great game and then the, the following one he disappears or, or he's uh, unsubstantial. So he needs to be more consistent and to improve defensively. But people in Barcelona and, and in La Liga overall see Sergio Dest as a, as a very interesting player and, and he has still a very uh, a lot of room for improvement. Yeah, he's got a very high ceiling and, and that said about his improvement, you look at the overall last three games, he's been one of Barcelona's better players so improvement there. Now, Focusing on two very good players, on two better players, we got to talk about two other players who were in Champions League action. It's Tyler Adams, Edson Alvarez. Different reasons Tyler Adams struggling against PSG. Uncharacteristic giveaways for the uh, U.S. men's national team captain. Didn't do so well, but, you know, a game he can improve on, a game he will improve on. Edson Alvarez. Edson Alvarez and Ajax taking down Dortmund, uh, slashing 4-0. Edson Alvarez coming into his own. So I pose the question to you. Who is the best six? Who is the best contención defensive midfielder in CONCACAF? Is it Tyler Adams or is it Edson Alvarez? 
Herc, you know that my favorite number six ever is Sergio Busquets of, of Barcelona. And for that reason, I would pick Exxon Alvarez because he's more like, he plays a similar style. I'm not saying that they're similar, but he plays in a, in a similar style. He's more of a positional uh, midfielder. He may look a little bit slow sometimes, but, but he's uh, super smart and he's always thinking ahead of the game. That's why he's always at the right pla place at the right moment, despite being a slow player. Uh, he can dictate the tempo of the game. He's very cool under pressure, but he still has room for improvement as well. He, he needs to work on, on his passing, uh, on his long-range passing. He needs to be to use those long balls more often and, and be more precise. Uh, and, and sometimes he needs to be faster when, when it comes to uh, touching the ball. So it's like one, two touches and, and give it away. Uh, but he can dictate the tempo of the game. Tyler Adams is a very, very, very different kind of player. He's more dynamic, more versatile. Yeah, he can cover engine. more, more exactly. He can cover more uh, ground. feel, more ground, but but he cannot dictate the tempo of the game. He still needs to have more composure. And we had a, an example the other day on the Champions League. He gave yeah. away that ball that ended up in a Paris Saint-Germain goal. Yeah, he also gave the ball away to Mbappe, which you, you never want to do. But Tyler Adams, this is the reality. It, sometimes it's better to be present than good. And that is Edson Alvarez's advantage. He's been both. He's been very good for Ajax and he's been present. Whereas Tyler Adams, uh, over the years of the U.S. men's national team, at a CONCACAF level, he's not been present. He's had oftentimes injured, whether it's back or an adductor or a hamstring. We've seen less and less of Tyler Adams. It's, it's getting more difficult to count on him. He covers that ground. He's such an explosive player. He's such a leader. But when you're talking about being present, being good, being accountable. A player like Edson Alvarez, who had a penchant for getting in trouble with the ball at his foot, has all of a sudden changed a lot of people's tune. And I'm the first one to say, you know what? He's changed my mind. I think he's the best six to date in CONCACAF. And I think he's the future captain for L3. And, and he is uh, a very versatile player because you can use him as a centre-back as well. Same as Rafa Marquez. He can play centre midfielder or centre-back and he's very good at set pieces as well. He has a lot of skills, a lot of qualities, but still room for improvement and this is good. You know what else he does? He's a fan whisperer. In case you missed it, check out our guy Edson Alvarez with his fans. What is it? After the Dortmund game, the Ajax fans, he's over here uh, getting serenaded by them. From getting criticized by the boar to being an idolo for Ajax, Edson Alvarez today riding a uh, career high moment. You want to see more Edson Alvarez and Ajax against PSV Eindhoven? It's this Sunday, 10:45 a.m. Eastern, exclusively on ESPN Plus. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com.
Oh, it's time. It's that time. <laughs> Another good, the bad, and the ugly, my friend. Christian Arango. Chicho. Chicho Arango to steal my man Max Bredo's tweet. Best start in Major League Soccer career. Juan Pablo Angel, nine goals, seven games. Didier Drogba, 11 and 11. Chicho Arango now has 11 and 13. Historic. And also today he was named MLS Player of the Week, Alex. Chichorito. He's the real Chichorito. <laughs> Chicho Arango. LAFC has his own, uh, their own uh, Chicharito. Uh, imagine, and it's just sci-fi, but imagine this player in 2019 playing alongside Diego Rossi and Carlos Ooh. Vela at his peak. That would have been amazing. We missed a great chance. Yeah, great chance. Not only 2019, 2018 when it was a historic season, when they uh, had the points record, when Carlos Vela was just absolutely bossing people. You're absolutely right. It would have been something else. And that's probably been the problem with LAFC is they can't get together what is the offense with the midfield, the defenders, or the goalkeeper all together at the right time. A lot of interesting players, but can't piece it together at the correct time. But this is a quality player. Here we go, the bad. It's our boy, our man, Bruce Arena. And Bruce Arena was on radio at 98.5, talking about the international window. We've got to find some kind of practice game behind closed doors before the playoffs because we're probably going to have to play, we're probably going to have 23 days off before we play again. We foolishly earned a bye. Wow. So, Alex, He's is it better not right. to earn a bye? He's absolutely right. It doesn't make any sense that your reward for topping the league after 35, uh, 34 sorry, weeks is just waiting three weeks for playing the next game that can, can get you out of the tournament. They will lose the momentum. They will lose the match fitness, their sharpness. Mentally, it's very tough to keep a, 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 a dressing room, a team, a roster just focused on their next opponent because they don't really know who they're going to face anyway. So it's uh, he's right. Bruce Arena is totally right. This system doesn't work. Yeah, historically, one of the major issues in Major League Soccer is the calendar. You try to wedge in all these different games, all these different competitions, and what's going to hurt the most? What should mean the most? Major League Soccer playoffs. 23 days between competition is ludicrous. It's crazy. Oftentimes in Major League Soccer, we see who wins the cup, who lifts the cup. It's the team who's hottest going in. You can't stay hot if you have a 23-day window where you're off. That's a mm -hmm. disadvantage. Major League Soccer needs to fix this. I don't know how, but it needs to be done. It's, it's like going back to precision, yeah. Hercules. Yeah. It's like going back to precision. There you you lose all your sharpness and your fitness. That's just ugly. Oh, you know what else is ugly? Oh... <laughs> This is really ugly. Not the 4-0 loss that Austin FC suffered at the hands of Chris Wondolowski and Lachofis Lopez, who's an animal of goals. It's also uh, losing to San Jose away, 4-0. And then guess what? You have an ugly exchange. It's Josh Wolf, a little ugly exchange between Eric Goodman, a columnist for the Austin Chronicle. They had this little exchange. Josh, I know you guys came into this match mathematically eliminated uh, from the playoffs, but when you looked at, at the effort in the second half, is this a group that that's quit on each other and has quit on this season? Um, yeah, Eric, I, you know, it's obviously you guys have the freedom to ask any question, but I, I don't think that's the case. I mean, realistically saying that, I mean, is that what you're seeing? Is that what you're saying? I mean, I think there's some frustrated guys, but, you know, it's – it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a question to be honest. And, but if that's where you want to go with it, but go with it. 
That's that's your that's your deal. If that's okay. what you see, write it. If that's what you see, bud, write it. Mm -hmm. Okay, Alex, is it a BS question? Uh, it's a BS answer, and mm. and Josh Wolf uh, should should think about that. Uh, this guy, the reporter, is only doing his job, and and he's asking a legit question. If you are the last on in the West, what would you expect? Uh, and you need to you need to be more focused on. And I'm talking to to Wolf. You need to be more focused on your job instead of just questioning other people's uh, questions and, and and other people's jobs. So. This is a BS answer, not a BS question. Yeah, let me let me for a second go into Josh Wolf's headspace, his shoes. Uh, this is a team now that's lost 19 uh, league leading and uh, losses, and you have a reporter asking you if your players quit. That to me, as a coach, is like him telling you your players quit on you. So he's taking it as a direct blow to him, and as a coach. The thought of your players quitting on you is unacceptable. So I can see where he would try to say, you know what, that's not the case. That's a BS question. I can see that. But the reality is the perception on the field when you're losing that bad to a team like San Jose 4-0, and it's not the first time, you've got almost a negative 20 goal differential. That's the perception for people around the league and obviously the pundits in the press. Josh Wolf, who I know very well, very educated man, very respectable man, got this one wrong. Maybe he should have just let it go. But yeah, uh, all around, not a good situation for Austin FC. All right, in case you missed it. Oh, it's that time of the year. MLS salaries were published by the MLS Players Association and surprise, surprise, the highest earners are having a tough time in the league. One of them, Carlos Vela, the highest paid player in the league, $6.3 million. He's played in less than half the available games over the last two seasons, only nine goals in two seasons. Five of those this season. Carlos Vela, $6.3 million. And here's some high earners, as you can see. Chicharito Hernandez, Gonzalo Iguanin, Alejandro Pasuelo, Luis, Ara Luis Araujo, Joseph Martinez, Josie Aldo, Rojo Pizarro, Maxi Morales, Victor Wanyama. A lot of these players haven't played much this season. Not a good moment, Alex. And where is Carlos Gil, my, my candidate to the MVP? <laughs> he wow. should be making more money. <laughs> A lot of guys should be making more money. A lot of those guys. But the yeah. guys who are making money, not playing too much. But if you want to see some players who do play a lot, good players, LAFC versus Seattle Sounders is coming up this weekend. Don't miss out. It's Tuesday, 1030 Eastern. ESPN, ESPN Deportes, and streaming live on ESPN+. Plus. Your boy is on the Deportes call. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. All right, let's head down south. Liga Mekis, praise your shade. Oh, I feel a shade coming on. Chivas, they found their goal scoring versus Toluca, one of the best teams in the league, only to lose, only to see it go away to waste versus 
the league worst Cholos 8-0-0 game, a frustrating game for Chivas. For Michele Año, who if I'm not mistaken said we would see a much improved Chivas team and he would callar bocas, he was going to shut a lot of mouths. So Alex, uh, is Chivas better under Leaño? Do you see a change? No, uh, they're not. They're not better than than they used to be uh, with with Bucetich. But they try to play a different style of soccer. They try to be nicer, to be more appealing for for the spectator. But uh, at the end of the day, uh, Chivas are, are like like a school holiday concert. It's full of good intentions, Ooh. but the delivery is not the best. So this is exactly the same. Ouch. And I'm talking to you because you're a dad. So you, you're, <laughs> you're gonna go through that. You're gonna go through that. But, and, and, and then you listen, you, you, you listen to, to Michelle Leaño uh, at the press conference saying that, saying that, that they play great soccer. Listen, uh, Leaño is Thanos in the, in the press room but Ant-Man on the sidelines. Yeah. Uh, this is how I would describe his job. Yeah, you know, and Michel Leaño, it's not for his fault that he's got the player personnel that he does. They're not a very good attacking team. They're a very good defensive team. Uh, Alexis Vega, probably one of the only exceptions when he comes to the attack, but he's often injured, and when he's not injured, he's away on international duty, and they just squandered an opportunity versus a team that in their last six games versus Chivas. Cholos, the last six games versus Chivas, has scored one goal against Chivas. It's a wasted opportunity for Chivas to actually climb the table and get into that final eight, that Liguilla. So that's a shade for me. But they're, they're, they're trying to change their style. They're trying to play a 4-3-3 with wingers, super wide open, glued to the sideline. You can see Uriel Antuna either playing yeah. on the right or on the left. They try to, to play like Guardiola soccer, but they don't have either the players or or the idea or the development of that idea so uh, so we're they, not going to praise them you know who we are going to praise we're going to praise praise club america and tigres club america league leaders league leaders in liga mx eight points clear of the second place atlas and also undefeated at home we have to praise them and guess what Newly minted, most offensive team in Liga MX, Tigres, flying high, goleando Pachuca, who they always struggle with. They struggle with. Pachuca does well against the Regios. This weekend, we're going to see the Nuevo Clásico. It's the new Clásico, America versus Tigres. So, Alex, it's very simple. And be careful what you say. Who are you taking, America or Tigres this weekend? I'll say Tigres. I'll say Tigres. America is... America are still unbeaten at the Stadio Azteca, but uh, America are, have almost secured their, their presence in, in La Liguilla, in the knockout stage. And they are playing against Monterrey, the CONCACAF Champions League, on Thursday. So maybe, maybe Solari, the coach of America, uh, wants to rotate some players, give some other players some rest. And uh, Tigres are unbeaten in the last five. Gignac is warming up, is tuning in, and also there's the Miguel Herrera factor. Uh, oh. He's the former, the former America manager. Uh, he didn't have a good, a good end of, of the season or, or, or the end of his spell there. So I'm pretty sure that he's gonna, he's gonna go back to the Estadio Azteca. And excuse me, pardon me, the joke with the eye of the tiger. <laughs> Terrible fun. Uh, but Miguel Herrera, you're right about that revenge factor. He actually claims that he put this team together. A la Ricardo Lavolpe. Yo los armé. Yo los armé. Exactly. That's what he's saying. Uh, which may be true to some extent, but I agree with you. There's a revenge factor there. And also, you talked about America's schedule. America is going to play Tigres. 
And then they have Monterrey, Cruz Azul, and then they have Monterrey again in regular season. So it's not an easy finish for Club America. My man, my man, we did it. We did it. We're out of time. I can't believe we did it. I can't believe you're here. I appreciate you. I love you. Thanks for coming. Uh, any airs? Stat boy? Come back again? We're going to do it Monday? Yeah? Anytime. What Anytime. Are you what are you wearing? I, I, I'll, I'll, I'll I'll I'm Paper company. Me. I'll be waiting for my phone. I will take my phone later. All right, my man. <laughs> we'll catch you guys Monday. Same time. Same channel.